Welcome to the Group of Five Focus Podcast, where we showcase the power of the Group of Five. I'm your host, Brian Doppel. This off-season, I'm releasing a new series here on the podcast where I get into the details of the most recent and ongoing conference realignment. To do that, I'll be joined by podcasters, journalists, and superfans of the teams that are the subjects of this realignment. They'll help me gain better insight into the players, coaches, and fans of each school and provide an introduction of the programs to their new conferences. This week, we're introducing the UTSA Roadrunners to their new conference, the American Athletic Conference. I'm joined by Jared Kalmus of the Alamo Dome Audible podcast and Runners Rising, who will walk us through everything we need to know about the UTSA football program as they transition to the American. We'll get into it after the break. All right, Jared Kalmus, welcome to the Group of Five Focus podcast. Uh, would you like to just take a moment and introduce yourself and uh, talk about some of the work that you do at the Alamo Dome Audible? Yeah, of course. Well, first off, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, just found your podcast here recently. I'm looking forward to catching up on a lot of episodes. Listen to a couple of great stuff so far. Um, so yeah, my name is Jared Kalmus. I've been covering UTSA since the first football practice back in, I guess, 2009, 2010. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I've, I've wrote and, and talked about UTSA in a lot of places. Uh, right now, most of my coverage is on Alamodum Audible, which is a podcast I run with a couple of my friends. Uh, we also have like a blog on our Patreon as well. Um, so we've been doing that for several years now. Um, I also, as of this week, have uh, announced that I'm the director of technology for Runners Rising, which is UTSA's new name, image and likeness collective. Um, and also contribute to Underdog Dynasty as well. Uh, used to be one of the site managers there and Conference USA editor as well. So I've kind of been around the G5 internet sun when it comes to it. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for joining and uh, congratulations on that that new opportunity with the NIL deal. That's uh, that's pretty sweet. That's uh, definitely, it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So mm -hmm. you, you jumped on at the right time, it seems. That's awesome. Um, I wanted to go ahead and sort of give give folks an opportunity to learn a little bit about the UTSA football program, um, as young as it may be. Um, so let, let's go ahead and jump in um, first, though, with talking about the university as a whole. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, UTSA and, and what the university is like and what it's known for and things like mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I You know, I think that people because UTSA is not just new as a football program, it's new as a university as well. So there's not a lot of um, knowledge, I would say, outside of San Antonio about what UTSA is and, and what they do and all that. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big school. I mean, they're up to, I think, 35 or 38,000 students now. Um, wow. So it's pretty massive. You know, mo most G5 schools are, are probably half of that, right? Um, you, know, you think about athletics and student fees and all that, you know, it, it makes a big difference. It gives UTSA a lot of opportunity. But UTSA is a you know, really big research institution. They just got their R1 um, Carnegie recognition, recognition last year. Um, so obviously like huge improvements, uh, as much as athletics has improved, academics has improved even more. So it's been a huge stride, you know, since when I got to campus to now, uh, the difference in, you know, it, it was like a safety school, so to speak. It, it kind of started out as like a community college kind of deal almost, uh, just like the place where local 30 year olds would go get their bachelors for the first time to get a promotion <laughs> at work. Yeah. Uh, so to see it now blossom into this major research institution that's doing all these like amazing uh, research projects and collaborations with, you know, uh, you know public private partnerships and, and, and federal research grants and stuff like that is amazing. Um, it's 
I think one of the largest Hispanic serving institutions, I think um, 60 to 70% of the student body is Hispanic, large chunk of the faculty as well. So that's a huge point of pride for the institution, of course, being in San Antonio, you know, it's, it's the way that it's got to be, right? You, you have to serve the community. Um, one of, I think, only 14 Hispanic serving institutions that have the R1 designation. So it's a huge accomplishment for UTSA. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, well, that's so awesome. Go ahead, please finish. Well, I was going to say that's kind of the lay of the land for academics, you know, a lot of focus on engineering, of course, uh, they have a top ranked cybersecurity program, which, which I am a product of, I'm very fortunate to say, um, a lot of international business is a big focus for the school. And of course, you know, they have every pretty much anything outside of medical and, and law UTSA offers. So just, you know, a big, a big state school research heavy uh, HSI, it's kind of where it's at as a school. Yeah, that's cool. I, I think it's interesting um, to get like a big picture of the university as a whole, because I think mm -hmm. the I think football programs can kind of take on a lot of that culture and identity Agreed. of the school Agreed. as a whole. Yeah. And so uh, so, yeah, that that's that's really cool to hear. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's cool to hear your connection, your pride in the cybersecurity field. So, OK, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the football program. Um, UTSA football has only been around. I think they played their first season in 2011. That's um, correct. Yeah, that's so, been the 12, uh, 12 season. OK, cool. So, yeah, a short history, but um, obviously uh, has had some really recent success. And so tell me about the football program. Um, what is it known for? What's the reputation, style of play? Um, what, what can people expect in the American as UTSA transitions? What kind of play are we looking at? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I think the style of play has really changed under this current uh, coaching regime with Jeff Trailer and his staff. Um, let's say the previous staffs, you know, with, with Coker, it was, it, it was multiple to a fault where like they never really had an identity on either side of the ball. You know, on defense, they did have a pretty strong 4-2-5 defense that, that kind of became a staple of the program. Uh, but then under Frank Wilson, they were very much trying to run like a, a bully ball, you know, SEC style that didn't really work for UTSA because they weren't recruiting at a high enough level to support that or hadn't historically. Uh, but now that Jeff Taylor's at UTSA, they're running a system that looks more like what Texas high school programs run. Um, so, of course, that appeals to recruits because they're going to be running programs that they're used to running from the high school level. And that's kind of to parlay into my point that in, in the most endearing way possible, UTSA is kind of setting themselves up as a Texas high school football program that happens to play division one football, right? So it's like number one focus for the program is like support high school coaches, uh, recruit the state of Texas extremely hard. And it's interesting because it's not just a high school level. When you look like the transfer portal guys that go after and a lot of the JUCOs too, a lot of those guys have Texas highs, whether they went to high school hmm. here or, you know, they were coached by a guy that was a former Texas high school football coach, but almost every guy on the roster, especially since uh, coach trailer has been here and recruiting those players is you can kind of, you know, draw a line from their connections to coach trailer um you know from like a professional networking perspective uh, yeah. when it comes to Texas high school football so that's really interesting and you know I think like you look at them today they're a team that plays moderately fast on offense you know they keep a good tempo um you know Frank Harris the quarterback's a dual threat I don't I don't see that changing anytime soon and uh they like to bomb it down the field uh, that's been a nice change for UTSA is we, yeah they've never really had a, a stretch on deep kind of offense UTSA now has three receivers that are probably, you know, at least borderline NFL talents. 
Um, so that's been a, a really joy to watch as a UTSA alumnus is, you know, an offense that's not afraid to throw downfield. Um, and then on defense, you know, they run out of a 3-3-5 base that looks more like a 4-3, right? The outside linebacker, at least in these first two seasons under trailer, has been much more of a defensive end type of player uh, than a true coverage linebacker. But looking at some of the fruits coming in this year, I think that's going to change and they're going to run more of a traditional, uh, you know, 3-5 type of defense. Gotcha. Yeah, that's um, just going back to what you said about about the offense. I'm looking here uh, back at this last season where uh, often on offense, UTSA scored 516 points. I, I don't know what that average is out to uh, over the course of 14 games, but holy cow, that's a lot of points. That That's incredible. Um, mm-hmm. And that they went 12 and two this year, including the ball game. I think uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's, you know, those that's a great season. Those are, those are great numbers. And uh, you know, defense, they say defense wins championships, right. But offense a lot of times puts uh, butts in the seats. And, um, and so, yeah, it's really cool to, to see that progression. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And uh, so tell me about about Coach Trailer. Is he an offensive guy? Uh, you know, having, you know, not being from Texas, not being familiar with UTSA football. Tell me a little about about the coach, uh, what he's like and um, whether, you know, it looks like he's got things going in the right direction. Is that going to continue mm-hmm. or, or, or what do you think there? Yeah, I mean, I, it's really hard to find anything to, to criticize Coach Trailer on that doesn't feel like nitpicking at this point. Obviously, the program's, you know, seeing unprecedented success. Yeah. Um, his background, I think, leans a little bit more heavily on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but he's not kind of like one of those micromanaged coaches that wants to be super involved in, in the offense and call plays or anything like that. Like, he really puts a lot of trust in his coordinators and his assistant coaches. And his, he has a really strong ethos in, in developing coaching talent, right? Um, so you know, most of the, um, of the coaches that have left either, you know, been fired or got another job, they really make a focus to try to pull up guys that are already on the staff and elevate them into other positions. Um, so I think we'll have to see how that works out long-term so far. It's been success so far. The guys that have been promoted in a trailer have done really well. Right. So like, you know, it remains to be seen if that's a sustainable thing, uh, if trailer has found a bit of a market inefficiency here to, to go a little money ball on you guys. Um, but I think that's a, a really big focus with trailer is um, I think that like he's been at, you know, the UTs of the world, he's been in the Arcsoles of the world, and he knows like what the infrastructure looks like to have lasting sustained success uh, at the G5 or P5 level. And that's been a really big focus under him is, you know, he always says it's a player's game and, you know, you want to get the best players and let them play. But I think he also knows that when you look at a college football program, there's a lot of things off the field that are really important and really substantial as well. And he's done a great job of working with uh, Dr. Lisa Campos, the athletic director at UTSA to, you know, increase that, that infrastructure, whether that's facilities, nutrition programs, recruiting assistance, all that stuff. We've seen UTSA make huge improvements in those areas. And I think that will continue definitely in the, in the coming years as UTSA heads into the American Cool. Um, is the fan base, uh, I mean, I can only assume with, especially last year's uh, season, fan base on board with a coach? Uh, are they, is yeah. there, is it a good vibe, a good culture around the program and the fan base right now? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I'm always trying to, uh, you know, temper fan, you know, expectations and excitements a little bit because a 12 and two season doesn't come around often. I mean, I yeah. think <laughs> Ole Miss just had their first like 10 or 11 win season ever. You know, that's, crazy. that's a pretty successful program. So, yeah, um, I think a lot of things really broke in UTSA's direction last year. Um, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, if UTSA wins eight, nine games and still competes for a conference championship, will people be let down with that? 
I mean, obviously right now people are ready to build a statue for a trailer. Of course. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, you know, for good reason, of course. Um, but yeah, right now, I mean, it's, you know, he, he can do no wrong in, in the fan base and he has certainly earned that status for sure. Um, yeah, that's, it's always, you know, like you said, those, those kinds of seasons are rare. Um, mm -hmm. and so it's, it's always fun to kind of celebrate when those things happen. A lot of fan bases can get spoiled when they have multiple, uh, you know, nine, 10 win seasons in a row. And then mm -hmm. they have like an eight win season and people start losing their minds. And, uh, yeah, yeah it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to keep in mind that, you know, sustained, sustained winning in this, uh, at this level is hard to come by. So, yeah. uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, is uh would you say that the fan base is excited about the transition to the american i know things are kind of interesting with the cusa yeah. right now particularly with the teams that are leaving for the sun belt but um mm -hmm. but are, are utsa fans ready to go to the american do they see this as a step up i think so um i think people are really excited to get into a conference with smu and, and tulane uh in memphis as well you know tulane there was a little bit of history because tulane was in conference usa when utsa first joined it um, so there's a, definitely a lot of excitement in the fan base, but I think a lot of the excitement is more from leaving Conference USA than joining the American because, you know, Conference USA was a mess, you know, the, the broadcast of the games are, were pretty unavailable. Um, and even the streaming aspect, it was really difficult to navigate. Um, so I think there's a lot of excitement there. I, honestly, like I'm of the opinion that I don't think the fans truly understand how much of a jump up it's going to be. And not just from the football perspective, but also from like the Olympic sport perspective. Um, like I was watching like a Wichita State, uh, a Memphis game maybe. And it was like on ESPN, middle of the day, massive, beautiful arena, like really good looking players that look like they, you know, could have a future in the professional leagues. And I, I just don't really think UTC fans understand how massive of a leap it's going to be. I, I think because so many Conference USA schools are going to the American with UTSA, I think a lot of fans feel like, oh, you know, it's going to be a slight jump. But um, yeah, I, I think it's going to have a lot of interesting benefits um, from a fan quality perspective, but also from a level pay, play perspective that might surprise people. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard to, for, for me as an app fan who sort of watched the transition from, uh, from FCS to uh, the Sun Belt, um, it was interesting. It didn't really feel I know we were going up from going up, so to speak, from the FCS mm -hmm. to uh, the group of five, um, but I wouldn't I don't know that fans were really excited about about that switch. It, it felt like a sort of a lateral move. The Sun Belt's changed and things feel different now, mm -hmm. um, but it is exciting to see how how these conferences are changing, how they're adapting. And, uh, you know, I think I think it's easy to sort of. Um, sort of shrug off some of these these schools who are moving or these conferences that are like going to look brand new and people don't don't know what to expect and it, it might be easy to shrug it off but like all of these teams all these teams that are now great the cincinnati's the houston's the ucf's that are going to be transitioning now um but they all came from from somewhere and so right. this is just I, I see it as a really great opportunity for all of these these programs that are moving to really do something great in their new conferences, including the CUSA, which is obviously taking a big hit uh, in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, so let me let me ask you, um, I asked you about the fan base being excited about the transition. Um, but as someone who's never been to San Antonio, never been to a UTSA game, can you walk me through what uh, what a game day experience is like there? What is the what's the tailgating situation? Uh, how, how excited are the fans uh, to be there? Uh, what's the stadium uh, experience like? Tell, give me give me a, a walkthrough of that. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. UTSA has an extremely unique game day experience. I, man, I really can't think of another example of a G5 program that has a setup quite like UTSA does. Um, the first being that they play in the Alamo Dome. It's not too far from campus, 15, 20 minutes, but it's right smack dab in the middle of downtown, right? So visiting fans can come, they can stay on the river walk. They can literally walk to the Alamo Dome. They can walk back, you know, it, you know, enjoy a hurricane at Pat O'Brien's and eat some amazing Mexican food and all of that. Um, so it's a great visiting experience. But, you know, once you're there in the Alamo Dome, uh, well, I, I guess outside the Alamo Dome, the tailgating scene is unreal. I, I've been to a lot of football stadiums. I've been to a lot of tailgates. And UTSA is up there with the big boys. I mean, it, it's amazing. It's a perfect setup for tailgating. It's like two massive lots that are right next to each other. Um, and those That's lots awesome. Get, yeah, they get really full. The tailgating scene is unreal, especially for a G5 program. I mean, I've been, I've been to a lot of P5 games that don't even come close to what UTSA can offer from a tailgating perspective. And I think a lot of that is just like rooted in San Antonio's Hispanic culture of, you know, fiesta, right? Like a lot of folks just love to go out to the tailgates and like football is like totally secondary for them. They're like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll go inside. It's cool. I'll check it out. <laughs> but really yeah. like going out there and, and barbecuing and, and, you know, drinking and all that, like that's, that's the real draw. Um, so the tailgate scene is unreal. Like I, I really encourage people to, to make that trip and check it out. I, I can promise you will not be disappointed. Um, you see all kinds of food, food out there too. I had a tweet last season that I was walking through the lots and I walked past one tailgate. I was playing hip hop music, a lot of younger people, um, another playing like mariachi music and then another playing country music. And it's just like the perfect blend of all of San Antonio's di different cultures all coming together in one place, you know, to celebrate not only our culture here in San Antonio, but the university and the football program as well. So it's a really beautiful thing. And then once you go inside the stadium, I mean, you're in a facility that just hosted the final four not too long ago. I mean, it was built to host an NFL program, which never came and never will come. Um, but the city's continued to invest in it, right? So the amenities are top notch. I mean, I, it, it's just, it's really nice. It, it's a really fortunate position for a G5 program to be in. And I think a lot of folks from the outside are like, oh, UTSA is an off-campus stadium. It's a leased facility, all that stuff. Like once you're there, especially for a big game, like, oh my God, the conference championship was unreal, right? Um, so it really is a really, really nice setup, especially when the program is doing well as they are right now. Yeah, um, the conference championship, was that was Western Kentucky this year, right? right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that looked like an insane atmosphere, but I... Uh, the the game that got my attention was the UAB game. Mm -hmm. That was so crazy. I was yeah. like, I had my wife next to me in the living room. We were just watching it together and it was incredible. That finish was just totally insane. Mm -hmm. um, and the atmosphere looked incredible. So yeah, yeah if, on the outside looking in, it doesn't look like, like you said, it's like a lease stadium or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It looks like a home game and, and it looks yeah. it looks like a great experience. So that's cool to hear. Yeah, and I'll say too, with UTSA going to the American, you know, the the broadcast quality of the games in Alamodome have been really poor, right? Just like the ESPN plus, you know, school produced broadcast and all that. And, and UTSA has it better than most schools in, in that regard. Uh, but once those games start getting on ESPN2 and ESPNU where ESPN is producing the games, I think the loudness of the crowd is really going to start coming through because these self-produced uh, games, like they don't have microphones in the stands or anything like that. The cameras aren't that great. Um, so it's been a while since UTSA has hosted a power five opponent in the Alamo Dome, but they used to do that pretty frequently back in the day. And like, man, you watch those games is like, who, who is this little UTSA school? Like it's loud in there. And That's awesome. it's just, you know, the acoustics of the dome, it just funnels all the noise down onto the field and it gets incredibly loud. So it's, it's a really ruckus atmosphere. 
Um, that's really cool. Uh, that's, that's like part of what I love so much about these G5 schools is like, is these fan bases that people might think of as small, but, mm -hmm. but man, their passion more than makes up for it. And mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how many people are in that stadium. I mean, it matters to a certain extent, but like, you're going to hear it. If, if like, if people are behind the program and, and love their school or love their, their, their players or whatever, like they're, mm -hmm. they're going to be there and they're going to show out. Um, yeah, that's so cool. That sounds awesome. You're making me want to make a trip down to San Antonio. Let's do it. Let's go. Uh, we'll get you some brisket. <laughs> we'll get you some tamales. Like, let's uh, go. I'm ready. That sounds <laughs> awesome. I'm, I'm extra tempted. <laughs> you start talking about food, and uh, that, that'll get me down there fast. Um, awesome. So uh, let's talk about when we're in the stadium watching the game. Um, we sort of talked a little bit about uh, about the um the transfer portal and uh and recruiting high school students in the from the state of texas but are there any players um that are either veteran players that are uh, going to be around for one more year or any uh up-and-coming players that you think will play an important role in these these next couple seasons as utsa transitions to the american yeah oh man that's it's kind of a tough question to answer because utsa's roster is in a really good spot right now you know i think a lot of people watched the last season and they're like oh they have a bunch of seniors so they're probably going to drop off and i mean there's definitely some big hits for sure but a lot of those guys can come back for super senior season we've already seen a lot of guys announce that they're gonna go ahead and do that i mean the quarterback frank harris he actually has two seasons left to use uh which is pretty phenomenal and, and crazy to think about that he could be you know, starting quarterback for UTC in the American, just yeah. thinking back to when he was recruited, at, you know, the high school level. That's wild. He's, he's had a great couple of years too. So, uh, yeah. that, that would be awesome to see that continue. That would be troublesome for, <laughs> for, for defenses. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess, uh, receiver JT Clark, uh, he's, he's listed on the roster as to Corian Clark. That's, uh, I think is his birth name. Um, I believe that he was only a sophomore last year, so he should have theoretically three years left. Um, I think he's for sure an NFL talent. He's got the size, speed, uh, man, his cuts, his athleticism. Uh, if you go back and watch the bowl game, I mean, he had two catches in that game that are just like, how in the world did he do that? And to think that he was the number three option for UTSA last year is, is pretty insane. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they're an older unit, so I think it's a little bit harder to find some of those like long-term guys going to be around for a while. But one guy that I can think of is uh, starting inside linebacker, Jamal Ligon. So he started as a true freshman for UTSA, uh, I guess two seasons ago. So he'll get that year, or yeah, so he'll get that year back because it was the COVID year, and then he has a redshirt year that he didn't use. So he could be around for a while. And he's kind of an interesting story because I think that he played like tight end and defensive end at the high school level and then stepped in first day starting inside linebacker. Wow. So he's, that's uh, crazy. Athletes yeah. are athletes, man. But that's yeah, crazy. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And he's like their prototypical uh, Jeff Trailer recruit, you know, just grabbed him out of East Texas, lightly recruited, but he's just a football player. And, you know, people that are tuned into recruiting and, and the state of Texas always say those East Texas kids are built different. Like they just have a different drive, different mentality. A lot of those guys are multi-sport athletes that grew up playing both sides of the football. So you can put them anywhere on the field and they're going to go out and make plays. And Jamal Ligon has been exactly that type of player for UTSA. Yeah. I see that he had, uh, he totaled 64 tackles on the season this year, and that was the second most on the team. That's, mm -hmm. that's a big number, 64 tackles. That's, I mean, that's someone who you've always got to be thinking about, uh, as an offensive line or, you know, scheming, scheming up for that. That's crazy. That's impressive. Yeah, you know, and he has so much room to improve too, is the crazy part. You know, he's still learning how to play the linebacker position. Like if he can really learn how to get off of his blocks and, and play a little bit tougher inside the tackle box against the run, 
man, he can be a real stud for sure, especially uh, even moving up to the American Conference. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye out for, for those guys. Uh, and, you know, it's just something that's that's cool. I know that people have some complaints about the transfer portal, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm pro transfer portal because I, I just think it's it gives kids an opportunity, these these athletes an opportunity to showcase their skills in a new place or in a new way. Um, so yeah, I know it's not going to work out for everybody, but I think that we're still learning about this. And mm -hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, it, how these um, these these transfers, these JUCOs, uh, especially JUCO transfers, um, are gonna are gonna play out as they join their their new team. So, uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's exciting. I'm just going through their uh, stats from last year, uh, especially on uh, oh, what was I just looking at the rushing stats? There's like 15 different names of of rushers that <laughs> yeah. that totaled well, some yards. You just say it was in a lot of blowouts last year, so a lot of the guys yeah. that got some carries probably won't be seeing many carries going forward. Yeah, that's just that's just wild. Yeah, um, the running back position is actually one of the question marks for UTSA on offense this year, as they lost both of uh, you know, so Sir McCormick left early to the NFL draft. Right, Bernie Brady um, has a super senior season left to use if he chooses to do so. I've heard rumors both ways. I don't think he knows right now. Um, but if he ends up not coming back, UTSA won't have, they likely won't have a returning player starting at maybe starting or backing up at running back. So mm. that's definitely one thing to watch out for. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Thanks. Um, so, so we talked about some players in the, in the game day experience. Um, let's, let's fast forward. Let's use a crystal ball and look ahead, uh, to, maybe like two or three years down down the line uh utsa is in the american they're you know they're cemented there people know them as an american conference team uh what do you see how do you see utsa fitting there do you think that they're going to fit in and and jump jump up to the to you know the top of their uh actually i don't know if they're planning to do divisions or not but you think they're gonna to jump up to the top of the american or uh or do you think it's gonna take some time to to do some work and, and figure things out in their new conference before they really start to succeed yeah you know it's it's really tough to predict right i i think like this team right now going into the new version of the american will probably be pretty competitive right um, but then you look at like how many of the major players on this team or juniors, seniors, those, most of those guys probably won't be there, right? When, when UTSA moves into the American, uh, we, and we still don't even know what year that's going to be, right? So that's really the hard part. Right. But for me, I always look, you know, big picture, like what's the off-field situation look like? Like what do the recruiting classes look like? Obviously, what, are, what is the size of the assistant coaching staff look like? You know, the off-field off -field personnel what does their investment look like in coaching salaries? What's the facilities look like? All that kind of stuff. I, I think UTS is already on par with all the teams that are going to be left in the American. Uh, I don't think you could say that for the Houston's UCF, you know, Cincinnati, right? But those schools won't be there anymore. Um, I think like they're going to fit in pretty nicely. I think they'll be in the upper half when it comes to a lot of that off field, you know, like I was talking about earlier, like infrastructure stuff. Yeah. I yeah. think UTSA is like already investing as if like they are in the American. And that's not to say that they're, exceptionally or even beyond any of the other teams that are there, but they're act, they're acting like they're moving up to a bigger league. Like they're increasing their investment. Um, so that's massive. And I, I think like the recruiting class at UTSA is wrapping up, um, you know, post signing day, they still have a couple spots left to use. I think it would rank like fifth in the American or something like that, which is pretty respectable. Yeah. Um, of course you need to have multiple classes like that in a row to, mm -hmm. to really feel comfortable, you know, competing for a championship in that league. 
Um, but you know, they're heading in the right direction. And I, you know, they've locked trailer up to uh, a 10 year extension, which still feels crazy to say in college football. That's wild. I know. Seriously. So much can change. So much can change from year to year. That's so I crazy. I know, seriously. But you know, I, I feel good that they'll they're not gonna be a laughing stock stepping in on, on day one. Um, but it's also tough to predict them to step in and, and really be the top dog, right? Because I think there's a lot of players in the roster that weren't recruited to compete at that level, right? So I think there's, you know, some roster turnover that has to happen and all that. But, you know, to wrap it all up, I think they're in a pretty good position and they're probably feel as strongly as they possibly could. Um, and then hopefully they just continue to recruit at the level they have over the past year. So, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, a lot of programs experience that where the players that were recruited were recruited for a different, a different level of play. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, I think that makes perfect sense that there there does need to be a little bit of turnover there. But mm -hmm. uh, the way that this realignment has gone, it, it seems like it's giving programs a bit of a leg up, a, a little bit of an opportunity to sort of pre-recruit for for the transition. Right. And so, uh, perhaps with some with with uh, UTSA and some of the um, their compatriots that are moving to to the American, maybe maybe it won't be as much of a transition. So that that's mm -hmm. just maybe maybe a thought. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it would be a different story if they were moving in and Houston and Cincinnati and UCF were still there. But losing those yeah. top three programs <laughs> kind of lessens the blow a little bit for sure. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, those those three in particular are just yeah so strong. It's yeah. uh, uh, as frankly, it's gonna I'm gonna miss hat watching them and like covering them mm -hmm. or, and, and paying so much attention to them. But because uh, yeah, like good for them, go get your money. But uh, but yeah, man, that's... I know it feels weird as a G5 guy. I feel so much affinity to those programs, and then yeah. it's like ah, eh, you know, they're just another big school now. You know, yeah. screw those guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking at the the new look American Athletic Conference, and uh, there's a couple of teams on here that jump out to me as potential rival rivals mm -hmm. for the Roadrunners. Um, but I'm curious, are there any games uh, that are that could likely be on UTSA's schedule come 2023 or whatever um, that you think a lot of the fan base is going to have circled as the game to go to? Do you think you see any potential new uh, or new or upcoming rivalries uh, in the American Athletic Conference? Yeah, well, I mean, SMU is the obvious one, right? Um, you know, the, whole, the whole Dallas San Antonio thing, right? UNT claiming Dallas is a bit of a stretch if you've ever been in the Metroplex. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, you know, especially if UNT continues to slide as they've been, right, and SMU stays strong. Yeah, UTSA stays strong. I think that's going to be, you know, a lot of big time battles for um, potential division titles there. Uh, also, huge, massive socioeconomic differences between uh, your average SMU student and alumnus versus the UTSA one. So that will be mm. very interesting to monitor. I can imagine. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a yeah. good, a good culture, a good clash of cultures uh, between fan bases. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, exactly. So that, that should be hopefully fun. Um, I think Memphis has potential too, right? Because UTSA went into Memphis and ended their like two or three year streak without losing a home game. Right. Um, and, and a massive comeback win too. So, I mean, I think that really put UTSA on some Memphis fans radar. Um, I was at that game and I had a lot of Memphis fans come up to me afterwards and be like, oh man, like, you know, you guys were awesome. We hope we can come visit San Antonio sometime. And, cool. you know, I think that might end up like one of those, I think like UTSA and UAB kind of have a, a rivalry of respect going on where like both programs kind of tip the hat to the other one. Um, yeah, so I could kind of see Memphis awesome. and UTSA growing that kind of rivalry. Um, but yeah, we'll see, you know, UTSA doesn't have a ton of history with a lot of the schools in the conference. Um, you know, they, they've played Tulsa um, once in that 2013 season when Conference USA was transitioning, uh, I guess, from version 2.0 to 3.0, whatever you want to call it. 
So I think it remains to be seen. You know, I think uh, SMU is the, the obvious one. We'll see if that pans out. But I mean, I, I think it's great. Like you can never really predict what's going to happen, right? When these conferences have weird rivalries pop up all the time. So, uh, yeah, you know, hopefully UTSA <laughs> finds their fit for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You're, and you're right. There's there's kind of a lot to choose from here. Um, but yeah, SMU would be great. Uh, you know, keep keeping it in state. Like you said, the culture, the difference of cultures between the two schools. Uh, I think that that provides a, a good a good. Mm-hmm. Uh, environment for for a rivalry to sort of uh, percolate a little bit um but yeah i know what you mean sometimes uh rivalries come out of nowhere and uh yeah if you had told me when app transitioned to the sun belt that like app fans would get rowdy about playing georgia state like that would that's like so confusing to me um but yeah you know now georgia state has sean elliott there an app guy and so yeah there's Mm -hmm. just like lots of lots of mingling yeah, yeah, lots of mingling yeah, between the coaching Louisiana, trees now. Yeah, Louisiana Tech was at school for UTSA. When they first joined, uh, they actually joined the WAC together. No one really thought that those schools would really care about each other all that much. Uh, but that first game they played, there was some uh, pretty, like, nasty, like, after-the-whistle activity going on. And it just kind of spewed, like, this, like, really – it was like the players hit each other even more than the fans did. So those games were fun. Mm. UTSA got whipped up in most of them. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, but it was still, like, really chippy – fun games that felt like they mattered right so like we yeah. definitely need more of that for sure absolutely um is there anything um when you think of like the transition uh you've mentioned a lot of the the behind the scenes uh development that's going on from from utsa side is there anything you feel like is missing uh at, in the transition like is there anything that you think utsa really needs to develop or to grow in a particular area in order to successfully make this transition not non-football there's a lot of work to be done i'll leave it at that um from the football perspective i think they need some more bodies on the recruiting staff like if you go on like memphis and smu's website and you look at like recruiting assistant titles and you know director of high school relations and all that stuff utc doesn't really have many of those positions right it's really just two guys that handle all the recruiting and then the coaching staff so i think that's one area that utsa needs to make a massive investment in is more of those off-field people um, I went to a U of H game. Um, I li- actually live like right across the street from their campus. And uh, I went to one of their games, uh, actually the game against SMU that had that crazy uh, finish with, with a kickoff return for yeah. a touchdown. Wow. And I, yeah, I was sitting in the section where the recruits sit and I was just amazed at like how many people that were running around talking to recruits, making sure they were okay. Like all like official, like U of H staffers. I'm like, man, like I do not think that happens at UTSA games. I think you get wow. your ticket and you kind of walk in. So I think like those, um, that's one area that UTSA will need to grow into for sure. Um, and then, like I said earlier, you know, I think like that, that lower level of the roster, like the guys that aren't anticipated to be starters, those depth players, I think mm-hmm. there's, that's where UTSA needs to make some big improvements is like moving away from like that low three-star guy to like where every player on the roster is like a mid three-star, because that's how a lot of these rosters are in the American, right? It's guys that are, are faster, stronger, more athletic coming in high school. And then they get into these programs where there's better development, more competition, and they continue to get better, right? So I think from the on-field perspective, that's the big thing for UTSA is developing that depth lower in the roster. Like the starters, I think, can go head-to-head with most of the schools in the American, but I'm more worried about like that third string and some of those second string guys and, and how they're going to hold up. Yeah, absolutely. That depth is so key. We, you, mm-hmm. you see it all the time with transitioning schools like, uh, you, you know, like you said, the first string and maybe some of the second stringers can go head to head, but you don't want your team in a place where if one player goes down, that whole side of the ball is like 
completely yep. done. Uh, yep. you, you, do, you want someone to be able to step up into that position that's just as ready, uh, just mm -hmm. as prepared to, to, to play the same level of competition. Yeah. And that goes across all levels. Like think of how many potential G5 or P5 upsets we see every season where at halftime it's, it's tied or it's within one score. And then in the fourth quarter, they just get blown out like a yeah. zero run. It's all yeah, they're out, wiped. Right? Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. Yep. Totally. Um, so I want to, uh, um, I want to ask you sort of um, if you were if you were introducing the UTSA football program to the to your new conference, what would you what would you tell them to expect from uh, from UTSA in the conference? What is it that the Roadrunners are bringing to the American Athletic Conference? I think just a, a really big and engaged fan base, um, which you know it's not that every year UTC gets huge crowds but they've consistently been near the at the top or near the top of conference usa attendance figures almost every year that they've been in there um they're really the only show in san antonio when it comes to football you know there's no other real, real competition for major football in the town so there's a lot of i hate to use the word bandwagon because i don't think utsa has been good enough historically to have bandwagon fans uh, but a lot of fans that like didn't attend the university right so i think uh you get a little bit of that probably like with cincinnati and ucf right it's people that like just live in orlando or live in cincinnati and just kind of latch onto the and, and utsa gets a lot of that as well which i think is great personally i, I love that yeah um, that's all that's about the brand right there that's cool yeah exactly and i think you know utsa more than almost any program in america like kind of embodies Hispanic culture and, and brings that aspect to it as well. So you get a little bit of uniqueness, kind of, kind of like I would say, like with Tulane having like the whole like Mardi Gras and, you know, jazz and all that, like they have their own unique city culture, which San Antonio definitely does as well. And I think people will find like, as you visit and come to UTSA that the city is really hospitable. Like it's a tourism city, right? So like it's in our blood to be welcoming and, you know, invite people in and, and give them tacos and all that. Um, so I definitely hope that people will make that trip out. And uh, I think uh, they'll have a good time for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that, that mindset of uh, really, I mean, it sounds like UTSA is really going to be bringing something to the conference as well, as far as, uh, as far as competition, but also as well, mm -hmm. as far as like uh, an environment, a culture uh, of, of around football too. So that's yeah, great. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited to see the American uh, with UTSA uh, and all of these other teams kind of moving into it. I know that maybe a lot of a lot of fans are sort of bummed about about the programs that are leaving but of i think it's going to create a really a really cool opportunity for some of these other schools to uh to make a name for themselves um yeah so yeah you know what i would say for utsa is like were you that excited about ucf joining the american like when they first came in right no like they were really bad and they didn't have a lot Great of fans point. at the time right <laughs> i think utsa has that same blueprint like they've been fortunate to have some recent success before they joined the american uh, but I think a lot of that same blueprint that helped UCF skyrocket, and that's not to say UTSA is going to do the same thing, but uh, there's that blueprint that helped UCF skyrocket, you know, huge enrollment, um, you know, only show in town, not a lot of competition for football dollars, uh, and an uh, administration that really wants to compete and really wants to win is not afraid to spend money to do it. UTSA has all those things, young fan base, young alumni base uh, with growing income, right? I always mention that the average UTSA alumnus is like, 40, 38, something like that. At most schools, that's in the 60s and 70s. Figure, wow. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So as the alum, alumni base grows, obviously the amount of disposable income that can be donated to the program rises as well. So I think there's a lot of things really going in UTSA's favor. And, you know, hopefully they can continue to, to take care of business and make these incremental steps. And I, I think they're going to fit right in the American. I think folks are really going to enjoy uh, watching UTSA develop with that ESPN exposure and uh, that American conference money for sure. 
Awesome. Uh, well, Jared, thank you so much for your time tonight. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to share uh, your thoughts and, and, uh, and your experience with UTSA football. Um, I wanted to give you the opportunity to share uh, and, and plug any of your work that you want to share. Where, where can people find you and where can they connect with you? Yeah, definitely. So I'm uh, unfortunately active on Twitter, probably more than I should be, at Jared UTSA, if you guys want to follow me there. And then the uh, podcast account is at Alamo Audible. Um, and then if you want to subscribe to our podcast, our YouTube channel and all that, we're Alan Dome Audible on pretty much every platform other than Twitter, because Alan Dome Audible is too long for the Twitter character limit. So I hope you guys will check us out. And uh, if you're a American Athletic Conference content creator and would like to collaborate with me, please let me know. I'd, I'd love to, uh, to touch base and start to figure out, you know, get to know each other a little bit. All right. Do it, y'all. Uh, check out Jared's work. He does good stuff. So thank you again for, for coming on, sir. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks again. That's all for this episode of the Group of Five Focus podcast. Thanks to Jared Kalmus for shedding some light on the UTSA Roadrunners football program. Be sure to follow and support Jared by following the links in the episode description. Also, be sure to check out the other realignment introduction episodes in the feed, including the Marshall, Jacksonville State, and Charlotte episodes. They're mostly fresh and basically evergreen. I'd also love to connect with more listeners, so please reach out on social media at G5FPod to keep the conversations going. And if you haven't already, please follow, rate, and review the pod on your podcast platform of choice. Let me know what you've enjoyed and what you'd like to hear more of. And as always, be sure to share this podcast with anyone you know that might need some more Group of Five content in their lives. Until next time, my friends, my question for you is, what is one thing you can do to showcase the power of the group of five? Five.